So I'm looking at I'm looking at this town that they're in, right? Yeah. Okay. Next to the Recoro offices, there's Barbecue Bildung Berefleischer and Qualifersurung, which is like I guess it's like chicken, beef, barbecue, beef, and chicken. And then across the street is Southwestern American Bar and Grill Takeout. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's where I'll be dining during the trip. <laughs> you know, I had Tex-Mex once in England. Never again. <laughs> There's actually, I mean, completely off topic, but there is a surprisingly decent Mexicanish chain uh, in London. You get the fuck out. No. I mean, it's- <laughs> There's our one. There's our strike. <laughs> Oaxaca. W-A-H-A-C-A is the name of the... Okay. I had multiple issues with that. It's not spelled with an O to start? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 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 it's as you know i, I will great obviously great on a curve for many reasons but um like even new york doesn't have good tex-mex so when i was living there it wasn't very good um but uh, oaxaca is decent mexican food and ha- fun drinks and at least steady reliable you're listening to dots lines and destinations a travel podcast with host steven seagraves fosma moon and seth miller Hello, and welcome to episode 346 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined today by Fazma Mood and Seth Miller. Hey, guys. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Oh, uh, not much. Um, I guess I'm glad I'm not flying Spirit. <laughs> oh, wait, you need something special to say that? Well, not I mean... any other... Any day that ends in Y? Yeah, I mean, well, that's... Listen, I was actually looking forward. I was supposed to fly them on Tuesday. This week. We're recording this Sunday uh, for Thursday release. I was supposed to fly them on Tuesday, and with this meltdown in action, have decided discretion is the better part of valor and to not do that. Where were you going to take them? Boston to Newark. Okay. okay. fly Boston to Newark now? Twice a day, or twice some days, at least. <laughs> they have a better schedule than United. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, this is wait. part of why I'm flying. <laughs> is it? Wait, wait, wait. If the flight doesn't go, is it really a better schedule? <laughs> That's a fair point. But it was uh, maybe maybe it's even. It's draw. I mean, it's the ultimate bait and switch. Give you the hope, but never deliver. <laughs> yeah, it was a thirty-one dollar ticket, also, which didn't hurt the situation. Cheaper than Amtrak. <laughs> yeah, Amtrak's not cheap at all. I look. I mean, my backup booking. I haven't finalized it yet. I'm either going to end up on uh, Tailwind Aviation seaplane. Okay. Or uh, or on Amtrak, it's I have space available, uh, seating on the seaplane. So, waiting to see if that happens. I I would go with the seaplane just for the yes, experience. Yes, but if they it's space available seating to me. So if they sell out, then I don't get to do it. Gotcha. Okay. I'm flying non rev gotcha. essentially. Um, so I can provide coverage about the product on our top on our show and various other outlets for which I report. Yes. Yes. So this 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 let's go back to spirit. What yes. has happened? Like. People are saying, oh, it doesn't look that bad. It doesn't, you know, pe- there's no they riot. They're canceling 60% of their flights. Don't tell me not that bad. Yeah. And why? Do we know why they've canceled all these flights? Ish. We The, the best they've said is operational issues compounded by weather. Uh, and, yeah, it's that's sufficiently vague as to be pretty useless as a uh, statement. Uh, scuttlebutt is... They, there was weather that triggered some cancellations, and then basically they didn't have sufficient. They, they they got sort of out of position, and every time they tried to recover, they fell further out. So like they'd move crew over to, like to get to a new fl- to staff a new flight, and by the time they assembled that crew together, that flight was too delayed, and they canceled it again. This has been going on for weeks now. A week. We're day seven now. They expect it to. Um, finally taper off middle of this week. I think they were down to only like 100 cancellations instead of 300 on average. They only fly about 650 flights a day. So um, I think Sunday was 100-ish canceled. 
So it's it's getting better, certainly. My, my flight was flight number five of an aircraft on a particular day, and I was like, yeah, that's just a stupid risk to take. Like, I actually have to get to New York and do things, so I'm going to find another option. Um, and if they can't, if they happen to not cancel the flight in the end, I will eat the $30 as, you know... Actually, I think I can cancel. I can think I got a free change because post-COVID policies or whatever, but... Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take my chances. So what does this mean? How do oh. they? How do they recover from this? Because so, so the operational issues. Sorry, the other part of it is that that scheduling situation and getting people where they need to be. And the other thing I heard is that they're basically we're treating it like hurricane recovery, which is not whatever you want to hear during normal weather days. And it was like if you can get to a flight and if they if they can get flights staffed, they'll operate them, but they're not going out of their way to try to force flights to go because the more they do that, the more they think they're getting further behind in the scheduling. And it was like insufficient number of people and resources to sort out how to, where everybody is and how to reschedule things to start getting back on track. So attempting to recover full operations in the summer, is it given summer thunderstorms, is it almost like mm, washing toilet paper? <laughs> in some ways you could argue that I, I, what I am a little surprised by, and I think that this is something we've seen sort of operationally from various airlines over the years is how hard it is to recover one base, right? Like, can we get X number of employees from a base to start and like work, you know, a subset of the schedule and then get another base online, but their operations, the planes, especially, and I'm not sure how crew go, but the planes particularly route through the network so much. United had this problem a long time ago. Remember they were like, do Newark to random city to Chicago to random city to San Francisco instead of Newark to random city and back Chicago to random city and back and San Francisco to random city and back. And because the planes weren't turning, if there was a storm somewhere, the ripple effect was much more significant. And I think uh, spirit is seeing that as well right now. Hmm. So, I mean, so there was in San Juan, right? There was talk of people walking off or employees walking out. Yeah, grand employees, and there were rumors of similar in Orlando and Fort Lauderdale too. Do we know if that's actually true, or is that was that just like some people were using that as uh, fodder for what was happening? Well, I mean, certainly at some point the work shift ends and you go home. Yeah, so uh, it would not surprise them, right? And it was also in true airline fashion: delay, 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 and then eventually cancel twelve hours later, which. Some airlines are better about and some are worse, and Spirit I would put in the worst category there of rolling delay rather than just outright canceling and moving on. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's bad, for sure. Um, would, would, your, would your recommendation for people that have a Spirit flight right now be to see if you can get it refunded and fly somebody else? By the time this episode comes out, I'd like to think it's fixed. Um, I have my doubts. So, no. I believe even on this. Uh, it can't be broken forever, guys. Uh, <laughs> you want to bet? You want to bet? <laughs> Fair point. I, just, <laughs> well, I mean, I'd be willing to bet whether or not they recover before September first. Do you think it's going to? It's that much of a slow burn? Like they just can't? They can't fix it very quickly? So it's. I mean, they run delay. lean to begin with, right? And we've seen with all the other airlines, they've all have reduced staffing, even though they've had CARES fu- uh, funding. And so it's like you know, we've seen this. We've seen United. We've seen American. We've seen Delta all have major failures. Um, but the low-cost carriers, right, the ULCCs run even leaner than those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, right, This all, when this started last last weekend, American Airlines also was in the midst of having an absolutely miserable day and canceling a ton of flights. But American got its shit sorted faster. Well, um, American has the luxury of throwing a larger aircraft, 
right? They can throw wide bodies on some of these things to start recovering operations, but that's one of the shortcomings of the ULCCs. They don't, right? 321s are the largest things they've got. And on top of this, Spirit has announced a new route, a new service. There's the airport, uh, it's Palm- Palmarola International Airport, which the IATA code starts with an X, which I didn't think was a thing. I don't think there's many of those uh, out there, but it's a TGU, to, I can't say Tegucigalpa? That one. It's the new airport for that city. Oh. They took an old military base outside of town and converted it to commercial service. So Spirit is the first airline to announce that it is going to be serving that airport when it opens. So Tegucigalpa, if I remember right, is one of the – it's one of the more dangerous airports. Is it one of the – like the hard landings? Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fairly short runway and it's right – it's like in the center of town. So there's a famous video of an American Airlines flight. There's like a hill at the end of one of the runways and you like come in over that hill and it, you're low, like really low. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that they wanted to move it out of there. It's also just – I mean, it's right in the middle of the city. So, um, wow. Pretty okay. bad, right? I mean – yeah. So this new airport, let's see if I can find this thing on the map. I'm just looking real quick. It's uh, XPL. Is that what it is? Yeah. XPL. Palmarola, P-A-L. Palmarola, okay. E-R-O-L-A. Oh, yeah. It's a a bit out of town. Yeah, that's a drive. Dang. Dang. And that's up through the mountains. You got to go through a mountain pass to get to to Tegucigalpa. Wow. How do you know how to say that so well? Yeah, you speak Spanish every now and then? I don't know. (laughs) Is it a trip you canceled multiple times? Oh, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> I've ne- I've I was never- impressed also that you were able to pull it out that quickly. Uh, oh, that's, I just, I mean, I think it's just from growing up and having Spanish speakers around around me and some yeah. being Honduran. So. I was going to say, you might, you, it's, it's one of those things, if you've heard it enough, it makes sense. I just, it's a, it's, a, it's something that, until you've just said now, I don't think I'd ever heard pronounced, so I was stumbling through it. It's like Sepulveda. Sepulveda, yeah. Where to put the emphasis and whatnot. But, <laughs> yeah, it's... It'll be interesting service. I assume that everybody else will move over. I, I'm under the impression that they're closing the old airport, but I'm not 100% certain on that. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, it's it's just not a – like you couldn't get bigger jets in there. There's just certain – I think the largest was a 752. So, anyway, that's cool. Um, yeah. Let's talk about British Airways. So, supposedly they've signed a new contract with uh, maintenance for the A380. Lufthansa Technic, yeah. Um, more than just supposedly. It's real. Uh, okay. Lufthansa Technic actually put out the release, which is part of the amusement of this whole thing, right? It's British Airways hasn't said much about the 380s other than, yeah, we probably want to bring them back. Uh, and <clears throat> the new contract is starts next year and runs for at least five years, is how it was spelled out, I believe, in the release, making everyone sort of frothy at the, oh, yay, the British Airways 380s are coming back. We're going to get to fly them again. It's going to be great. And through the grapevine, I've also, which is true, I'm, I'm you know excited to see them return to service, but through the grapevine, I've also heard that it's basically a requirement for the lease to keep them under maintenance, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this means the leases haven't been rejected yet or the lessor hasn't agreed to let them reject the leases yet, but also that they are probably not going to return to service in the true full uh, scale sense that one might hope. Okay. Uh, a bunch of pilot crews, like 50 pilot crews, are being moved over to the A350 already wow. rather than ma- rather than getting recurrent on the... 380s. Hmm. Maybe we should buy a couple of these A380s cheap and start a service recovery business for airlines. Didn't uh, uh, Highfly try that? Yeah. Oh yeah, but right. Think, Monarch they, and everything. I think they were successful in that too. No, they were returning. They did it. They they really filled in for Norwegian. Um, they were ready to return their 380 even before uh, COVID happened. I think, and then with COVID, they kept it like another year of 
cargo-ish operations, but then we're done. I would argue the 380s are like probably less than half the price than when HiFly got them. That's possibly true. Yeah, there's so many being returned right now. So, so we take an A380, we pick up all of Spirit's passengers that are stuck in you know wherever, and we fly them to Baton Rouge. <laughs> Just to get that line. <laughs> well, you can do it on United soon. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that. And don't let's not jump the gun here. All right. We've got an order to this show. I thought you were setting up a segue. Okay. Well, we can segue into it. Uh, United has a bunch of football routes, one of them being Baton Rouge to LAX. Uh, so this is for college football. Um, what do you guys think of these? I mean, I've thought about booking one. I mean, because it's just kind of random lines. Uh, some out of South Bend, Indiana on mainline aircraft. Uh, I can't remember what some of the others are, but there's like Lincoln, Nebraska to some random spots. Um, I mean, I, I do, I give them credit for trying something different because historically they've been very conservative this year. They've been really thinking outside of the box and trying something new. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've done these flights for a couple, well, not last year, but two years ago they had similar flights. Americans done some of them too. Uh, I, I like the idea of putting these special routes on. It's, you know, low demand weekend travel times, you can, or in some cases, sometimes it's, you know, Friday and a Sunday. Um, but there's certainly lowish risk because it's 150 seats, um, right, at, at most, 180 seats at most. So it's a relatively low risk play uh, to put these out there. I, I love the idea of sort of randomly trying to grab the cash. Historically, they were pretty expensive tickets. I know, Steve, when you found that Baton Rouge LA flight, it was surprisingly cheap. Yeah, it was like 149 for a one way. Which, yeah, it's not terrible. Is that for nonstop? Is that the wrong direction or the right direction? No, that's, that's the correct direction for the okay. game. Generally, they're pretty good in that they don't do the wrong direction anymore. They just yeah, position it. Yeah. No, they just position it from somewhere else. Yeah, so like the last flight of the day for that flight is so it comes from Houston, mm-hmm. and it's it's the last scheduled Baton Rouge service from Houston that day. So uh-huh. they'll, they'll fly. It's usually a CR two or an E one forty five that flies that route, and so they'll fly it with a seven thirty seven. It'll sit there for about an hour, and then it'll pick up passengers and go to L A. And so then they scrub the the normal Baton, the, whatever the first Baton Rouge Houston flight would be that would have been made up by the yeah. plane. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's pretty neat usage of aircraft, especially since, I mean, LA, since it's a hub, they can, they can kind of do some more with it. The other ones that are interesting are the other flights. I, I really need to look into some of them because like there's a few where it's like Lincoln to, I can't remember where it was. Um, it's another small town. And I'm like, well, I don't even know that United has regular service there. So, um, I don't know what they're doing to get the plane in and out of there. Maybe yeah, the I mean, crews are just flying it out. And- yeah, I mean, like, and charter ops are part of what the company does. And if you can essentially, right? So this is sort of a charter, but they just have to sell it. And if you get the partnership and get the publicity right, um, it should be good money. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I guess the other thing, too, is like, I think they're doing quite a few more flights this year. They're doing uh, a lot this year. Yeah. Compared to a couple of years ago, I think it was like they did like 10 maybe. And this year they're doing 20 or 30 specific yeah. flights. Um so I think, you know, you got the planes. The other thing it does, too, is it frees up some of your connections. So, like, for Baton Rouge to L.A., right, now I'm not having to feed people through Houston or, you know, double connect or whatever and vice versa coming back. So, it, I think it's good for regular travelers, too. You open up some seats. So, anyway, I thought it was cool. Except for, except for that, you know, one segment that they canceled because there's no planes. No, that's true. Yeah. Touche. Um, all right. So, you're going to London. Yes. On your, on your birthday, by the way. On my birthday. The, the show will have aired and you will have grown a year older. Uh <laughs> The editing process isn't that bad, Steve. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, and so you'll be in London, and you have been researching hotels, and you came across something interesting, tasty, yeah. both. Finger looking good. Uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out, you know, do I splurge a little, find a fancy hotel, knowing that I'm going to spend more time than usual in the hotel because 
I'm not going to want to be out and about and interacting with people as much as normal. Um, you know, I was sort of trying to find a hotel with a nice courtyard or a roof deck or something like that. And I put it on the internet on Twitter and someone came back with the suggestion that rather than doing something silly, like being comfortable, I should absolutely book the KFC hotel. <laughs> uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. Uh, and I was like, yeah, haha, this is cute, whatever, they're joking. And no, it turns out this is real. Uh, KFC is, it's a fundraiser, but they're selling the tickets, the, the room nights through Hotels.com, but they are selling room nights in a, there's a push for uh, fried chicken button, obviously, uh, in the rooms, but it's like fully decorated up as a Kentucky Fried Chicken sort of, I don't, I don't know, it's not like a restaurant, it's like, ridiculous chicken themed uh or like i don't know it's not it's not chicken necessarily but it's very much has a kentucky fried chicken feel to it uh rooms and you know common area and lobby and whatever it's absolutely bizarre and i'm very sad that i won't be able to book it because unfortunately it opens after i already leave uh, all, all i can think of when you told me about this and you shared the link yeah. is the kenny rogers chicken sign episode of seinfeld <laughs> Like where his rods roasters. and cones, yeah, and he's and he's like you know trying to pour in milk and it's tomato juice and his rods and cones and stuff are screwed up. That's all I can think of because like that's even what the rooms look like a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, I mean it would be a sensory experience to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's bizarre and you know whatever. Good good fundraiser, go for it if you can grab a if you can grab a night there. But how long is it supposed to last? Just a week, okay. I think maybe ten days, something like that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's you know pop up, short term, whatever. So not great, but definitely. still amazing for timing wise. Yeah, definitely something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, Cutter has grounded thirteen A three fifties, and this is related to some issues with uh, paint. And they're not taking. So it started a couple months ago when they slowed deliveries of the three fifties, claiming uh, quality issues. And everyone's like, yeah, that's just Albaker being like, he didn't want the planes down and came up with a silly excuse to not pay uh, Airbus for them. And the longer it stretches on now, the company is, the airline is saying they've done inspections and found corrosion and other challenges underneath the paint in some areas. And that it's a bigger problem, you know, that's ongoing still on the production side. And some of its existing fleet is also suffering from it. And that's part of why they're not taking the deliveries. And so now they've decided to ground 13 of these planes and swap in A330s to perform the service instead. Hmm. And as with everything these days and with Akbar Baker, you're never quite sure how true it is or like demand is down. So we're going to put 330s on the routes and let's come up with an excuse that we can take a dig at Airbus along the way. Yeah. Um, right. He's this is the same guy. I think it was him or was it him or was it uh, Tony Fernandez from Air Asia? One of them was like, you know, we're not going to look kindly on lessers that don't cooperate with us during these times. Like, just outright threatening them of, if you don't give us a deal now and take back your planes or cut our rates, we're going to not lease from you in the future. Which, certainly their prerogative, but, like, you know, kicking, kicking it, you know, the can uphill, in this case, or whatever. Like, just outright threatening the vendor seems like a strange play. Yeah. Like, it's not like the vendor can tell someone else to pay for the planes. So, or the lesser can tell, right? It's like, they're not going to be like, hey, Airbus, can we get some of that money back that we paid you when we bought this thing? Uh, that's not going to work, so. Um... I mean, with metal corrosion issues and stuff, if it's real, like, it's scary. Yeah. But it's it's hard to know whether or not you're being given the full story. Yeah. And, like, not to make excuses, but when your airport is in a somewhat humid coastal area, uh, corrosion issues are going to probably be higher than for other similar operations in other parts of the world. 
Is it really that humid there, though? I always find it, yeah, yeah. it to be dry. Well, I found it disgustingly humid the few times I visited. And it's salty, right? It's salty. And the salt air, yeah. Um, and like they, the plane spent a lot of time there. So, so let's talk about Bradley Airport uh, and a recent move by Bradley that I think many people feel is uh, poor. Um, what's the story here, Seth? Plane spotters have historically been significantly harassed when trying to take pictures on airport grounds, is the backstory, like, over many, many years. And the airport authority doesn't like having people taking pictures of airplanes nearby and is horrible people. So, fine. Uh, apparently, some of the local spotters have negotiated with the airport to gain access to be able to spot now, but it comes with what I believe are rather ridiculous uh requirements and some other people agree with me some other people are like yeah sure but it's also it's better than what they had before so go with it and it's you have to apply for a permit at least there's no charge yet but you have to apply it has to be reviewed by like an executive director or vice president you know some some senior level executive that like has go no go authority on them and then if it's approved you're allowed to spot there's only one small parking area that they're allowed to use uh, right off the end of I think runway six if I remember correctly, and like no food allowed. Uh, you can't, and th- th- one of the rules was like, you can't set up tables, chairs, or benches. And I assume that means in reality, like you can't install something and leave it there. Not that you can't bring a lawn chair, but I could easily see them interpreting it as you can't bring a lawn chair. Yeah. Uh, it's, you can't lean ladders against the fence, which is fair that I get, but like the way that one's written is like, they're not even going to let you bring a ladder, but you can, if it seems you can have a ladder, if you don't lean it against the fence, unless it's considered a, a bench or a table, but I don't know. It's the whole thing is ridiculous to me. And I don't understand how a, it's a quasi governmental public agency. That's the other thing. And so like, I'm not saying that people should have unfettered access to anywhere on the airport grounds because it's public land, but like it's a parking lot that's not really used for anything else. Why are they making such a big deal out of this instead of, like, putting a trash can there and having someone from maintenance go out and empty it once a week? Well, well I don't understand why it's such a big deal to have spotters. Like, if you're, why why was there harassment to begin with? Why wasn't the message... Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's kinetic. It's probably the king of nimbyism at its finest. I mean, this is, this is counter to every other airport I've lived by or visited, really. Um, save for some of the New York area. But, like... Yeah. So one question, the like, New York area have gotten harassed taking pictures on the air train before, so... I guess one of my questions is, what's there to spot at Bradley? Air National Guard. Cool stuff. Cargo. But it's not, there's not a lot of ops to begin with. Breeze 195s, Aer Lingus, say 321 Neos. Listen, like, people, you want to go see airplanes. Yeah. Want to hang out and relax. Like, I, we'll go watch planes. They don't all have to be 747s to be cool. I mean, I used to go to, so for example, I used to go to IAH in Houston. Sit at their, they had an area where they were like, hey, just give us, they had a number they had a, that you called. Yeah. And the person was aware and you just called the number and said, hey, I'm going to be out at runway, blah, blah, blah. I'm driving a, you know, whatever color car and I'm wearing a red shirt and I'll be out here for like two hours. And they're like, okay. And then I yeah, think you have to give me your license plate and you have to provide photo ID in advance that they can check you. And I think this is all stupid because like I just gave them that and they're like, all right, we, we know you're there and no big deal and have fun. Yeah, so the argument is, from a security perspective, they want to make sure that someone camped out at the end of the runway isn't building a bomb or something. I guess I don't know. But there's a but there's a difference though, Seth. Like, no, I, calling, I, I think it's stupid. Yeah. I'm just telling you that this is the argument that you're going to get from the security perspective. But I think it's I think it's a stupid argument because like what United did or not United, but like Houston did was they said just give us a call and let us know you're out there. And so they were aware. And sure, I had there was a police officer that drove by every now and then, and that's they were doing their routine like drive of the perimeter. 
Yeah. And that I think that's fine. No big deal. And they never came up to me and talked. Some of them waved or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But here, even here at PDX, like they encourage people. There's like a cell phone waiting lot. They're like, oh, yeah, feel free to take pictures there. No big deal. You can park in the garage here and take pictures from the garage because it yeah. has views of both runways. No one cares. I've had them come up. I've had a police officer come up to me and say, how long are you going to be here? And I was just like, oh, I'm going to be here an hour. And he's like, okay, have a good time. And like, no big deal. This this seems idiotic to me to yes. apply for a permit. And have rules. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, don't put a, a do don't do stupid crap and yeah. put a, a a ladder on a fence. But I, I just like to not bring a lawn chair if that's how it's interpreted is ridiculous. Um, yeah, the no food thing is clear because they don't have a trash can there that someone's got to clean up and they don't want the mess. But like, put a trash can out. Yeah, and well, is, is that I'll pay for it. How much does it cost to like buy a metal trash can and plant it in the ground there? Yeah. I'll drive down and install it. It'll be great. Or you just do what a lot of the parks do. You bring it in, you take it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the well, thing, right? They're, they're assuming people won't, because as with many parks, people don't, but still. But I think that's but I think that's a good point though. Like what they're saying is is we're gonna watch for food because that's an easy way for us to kick you out, right? And rather than we don't want to pick up trash, which they could easily do. Yeah. So and so the other good response I got, there's a broad book brook brewing which is hard to say, um, is right at the end of the runway and has outdoor seating and you can sit and drink beer and watch the planes. So, oh, Well, I know who I'm going to be uh, giving there's my a, to. There's a Dunkin' and a Friendly's on the east side as well where you can then go. And a bowling alley, I think. <laughs> with a, uh, but yes, our, our good friend uh, MGBBQ suggested Broadbrook and they have chimed in that yes, they are very much in on that. Nice, nice. Um, so Virgin Atlantic might go public? What? Sky News had a report, I think, late Friday or Saturday last week saying that they have engaged with uh, underwriters to talk about the possibility of a listing. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> so the big deal is if this happened, it would mean that Branson's stake would drop below 51% through the Virgin Group. Right wow. now, it's 51% Virgin Group, 49% Delta. And Do you think that's kind of what he wants? I think he doesn't want to pump more cash in, and they clearly need more cash to get through the current environment. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're restarting a bunch of routes to the Caribbean this winter. Like they they think they're mostly there. They got some funding from various people and investments, but it's loans, mostly not real money. And I can understand using an IPO at this point as a way to raise the necessary funds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but, like, yeah, it would be slightly che- cheaper way of doing it uh, in, a, in a way. So. Yeah. But, I mean, you, do you think fake news? Cause you don't think you'd sell or just, I just don't know how right, – this is more tongue-in-cheek, but I i mean, given their finances going into the situation, I don't know why anyone would really want to invest into the airline, right? They've been teetering for a long time. Delta was convinced it was a good idea, just like with Latam. <laughs> those, I, those have both worked out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Listen, it's not like Etihad's doing the buying here. It was Delta. <laughs> uh, well, okay, I, got a, I, got a, I got a refinery I can sell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> IPO that, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you're right. I, I certainly get what you're saying in terms of it not being the strongest operation. It was relatively small and relatively limited, limited reach, and especially right now with the U.S. market and the New York market for business travel and premium cabin closed, that's a very risky play. I mean, anyone, you know, BA, Virgin, uh, with those two airlines, the bulk of their money comes from Heathrow to the U.S., particularly New York. Right, and that that's something that has not been running on all cylinders for eighteen months. Yeah, and even when it comes back, like when the border reopens, there's plenty of questions of what does the future of business travel look like? How often are bankers going to do day trips from London to New York, or vice versa? I mean, hell, going into the JetBlue inaugural this week for London, very much the same question. Hmm. 
So that market, that product is built for high yield premium cap. They put business class all the way to the exit row on an A321neo. Yeah. Is this the time to be launching that route? Certainly not the time to be sitting on the plane. Like, <laughs> says the guy who's about to go sit on the plane to not use the planes. Um, and they got it. They got At some point, you got to launch. Uh, is it is now the best date? No, we talked about this last week. They're gonna they're immediately suspending service three days a week until September rolls around, or and through September, excuse me, until October rolls around, in hopes that the U.S. has changed some of its rules by then, uh, which I think we're going to talk about probably imminently. Uh, but uh, is this the right time? I'm happy that they didn't change it again, change it, so I didn't have to rejigger my schedule. But I'm a little surprised that they're operating from the launch date like this. Well, I think honestly, in the case of JetBlue, it works to their advantage because they were able to get slots. Yeah, but if they wanted to delay, you know, part of it is it's a matter of timing when they announce and when they make the decision to delay or not. And I think with the slot-related stuff, they were uh, hamstrung by the rules and assumed that things were going to get better faster because everything was indicating it would. And then the UK somewhat ironically announced its change to the amber uh, stoplight countries, including the US rules, the day after JetBlue announced that it was cutting back its September schedule. Um, but going into that, there just was such uh, anemic demand that it wasn't enough to justify operating the flights. Um, and so with even without quarantine, but still test and all the other challenges of, of US folks going to the UK and uncertainty about when the U.S. will allow U.K. Uh, departures, people who have been in the U.K. who are not U.S. citizens or nationals, to arrive. Uh, that uncertainty is really what's hampering the product right now. You can't, right? The, eventually, the, you know, you can't only have half the demand. You can't only have half the market in service. So, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about some of that, like making yeah. uh, possible drawbacks to U.S. requiring vaccine for inbound international passes? Yes. So the middle earlier last week, there was a bunch of conversations started, and it's vaguely confirmed, but not really, that if the U.S. starts to reopen to the countries that are currently uh, blocked, the I guess the 212F order or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it would require full vaccination. And which, so proof of vaccine to reenter or test proof of vaccine to enter. No, full vaccination. I don't believe test would. They're not going to enforce the test. They're not going to have any kind of test. It's not like a backup rule like parts of Europe have. I don't believe so. But again, all of this is based on who the hell knows what. Yeah. <laughs> but the other part of it that's interesting to me is that I hadn't thought about. But someone said if they do this, it probably wouldn't be only for Europe and China and like Brazil and a couple other countries, which are the currently limited ones. Mm hmm. It would potentially be for everybody and a new just default rule for all entry. And that would mean that no one, like if you go to Mexico and want to come back, you have to be vaccinated, Mm. which right now Mexico is very much the loophole entry uh, or vacation place. Like for if people had the time, I know know, people have done this, they would go from Europe to Mexico for two weeks. And then having not been in you know Europe for the last two weeks, they could then just enter the United States with the standard get a test at the airport or whatever and move on. Yeah. Um, even if they were vaccinated, that was still an option today. So obviously for those folks, it's better arguably to just be able to say I'm vaccinated and come straight from wherever they are and not have to also spend two weeks in Mexico or wherever else uh, with the, the expense and whatnot and just the time uh, before they can come to the United States. But for all of those other places, for Mexico, for, um, you know, whatnot, it could potentially close down a lot of access. And, you know, we talked a little bit last week about should everybody be vaccinated to fly? Um, this would be a version of that for sure. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. I 
curious what you guys think, um, is, whether it makes sense. And if, is, is that a bad thing to sort of close that loophole? Is So I guess one question I have is whether or not the vaccine part of it applies to just foreigners coming in, or is it also Americans returning from foreign destinations? Very good question. I don't so, think you can discriminate citizens. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. But I, you, I, ha- reason- you do have to allow people to return home, but you can impose quarantine and other rules on them. Yeah. Yes, but I don't think it can mandate the vaccine. Uh, well, so I think that's the problem. I think that, I think they can. I think they can say we're not doing testing, and you know you have to be vaccinated and have proof. I think that's. I think I don't, I don't think you can deny someone coming home. Okay, right, but the, the government could, like the UK has done, force or Australia has done since basically the beginning. They could force uh, vaccinate. They could force quarantine. Yep. And in, and it, institutional quarantine, that's what I was looking for, right? Where you have to agree that you're going to pay and be in this place. And if you don't pay it and just show up at the border, they may have to let you in. But then it becomes a lien on your taxes or your employment. Like they, there's like not paying child support could be, right? Like there's ways they can enforce those things. So, um, and, and the reason I ask is because is there as I mean, I, I actually like the idea of making it easier for me to come home, right? Rather than right. having to carry the test with me to Europe take the test online, blah, 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 hope, hope it comes back negative and I don't get a false positive and then have to worry about that. It would be easier for me just to go, I'm vaccinated. I'm, I'm entering. Um, so I, I see the upside of that. Um, yeah, there, there's also no guarantee that it would obviate the need for the, it would eliminate the testing, right? We're seeing plenty of people who are vaccinated now and with the Delta variant saying that who are testing positive. I mean, that that's very much a thing right now. Very true. So, uh, I am, Although I'm not, I won't say I'm happy about it. And certainly not given the expense because they're expensive in London. But I am happy to make sure that I can test again when I'm there, and for the first time in a while, am considering testing when I come home from a trip. Um, right at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, when I had to travel for work, I would travel and then come home and basically sit in my house for three days and not go anywhere, not interact with anybody, and then go get a test to make sure it was safe for me to reemerge in my community. I'm starting to think maybe I need to do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sucks, but <laughs> here we are. I mean, if it encourages people to get vaccinated, uh, okay, yeah. I guess it's great. Um, I don't I mean, know. If I was, it, what do you think? Talking to myself on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like eighteen a, it's months like, into this shit, man. How do people? It's like it's like a conference call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. What? Huh? Huh? Um, I, I look. I, I don't. I I think the game will change once the vaccines have full approval. You right. think that it'll just be mandated across the board? Not necessarily, but I think the apprehension will go down, mm. right? I mean, I understand that there's people are hesitant, but a lot of it is, right? You know, you can you can only put it in your body once, and you can't take it out. So I, I do respect, you know, I'm not saying I agree with them, but I do respect people who choose not to go down that path because they know their body better than anybody else. So you know, once it's approved, I think that'll give people a lot more peace of mind. Do you think, though, but do you think that having this mandate to say you have to be vaccinated to enter the United States, do you think it's fair? Like, let's, let's, for international travelers, people coming to the United States, not Americans. I mean, yes and no. I mean, it really depends on your perspective, right? It's, do we, do we want to, it's a way of gating people out of the country. Right? I, I but don't disagree. Yeah. I, I would, to play devil's advocate, advocate, I would say we have an issue on the southern border where that is not the case and people are ignoring that. So is it fair to say we're only going to do this to legal people, but not illegals? It's the double standard in ways. Fair. Well, Okay. Um, we don't have to have a political discussion. Yeah, no, I don't want to get I, to the political discussion. I'm just saying I, there's, there is I, another I, side to that. That because people seek asylum in the United States, they should we shouldn't test for COVID. 
but we're not mandating vaccines of them is what my point is. We're not even putting them through a vaccine program, right? That's my point. It's not whether or not they should be allowed in. That's not the point. It's you're letting one group of people in without another group of people you're mandating. I mean, it's, but that, but to be, but to be fair, like we, this program isn't in place yet that we're talking about for having vaccines. All this, if it did become mandatory, they, they might set something up on the southern border and say, if you want in, you have to have the vaccine. Yeah. I'm not, okay. And, and I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, and they could do that now, right? They have a surplus of vaccines. So why they haven't even started that? I mean, it'd be a great use of vaccines, honestly. Yeah. Rather than throwing <laughs> no one else wants it. Here you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. rather than throwing away all this money we've spent as a country, it's at least you're using it, not letting it go to waste. Um, Seth, so how do you uh, hang on? I was to say, how does that play into then uh, crew and vaccination requirements? Oof, that's a whole different. I, I don't really. I can't even think about that honestly. So United announced last week that it's going to require vaccination from its employees. I think by mid October, essentially. Um, the flight attendant union came out endorsing the policy. I thought the United memo was pending final approval, though. It, w- it was some. Yeah, I think it's that's based on the expectation of final approval date. So, so it may slip a little, but... Yeah, I don't think they'll require it until there's final approval. But it's like within three weeks of final approval, you have to be done kind of thing. Or so it's, it's a relatively short period of time that I think in its final approval of any one vaccine, you have to be done. So it's an int- it's an, there's some, was some interesting verbiage in it, as I understood. But, um, and maybe, you know, if you've got your first shot and you're working on your second, you get to stick around. I don't know, but... Uh, I also, for the first time, actually read the agreement United had with its flight attendant union about vaccination initially, and they were offering up to three paid uh, days off in 2022 for people who got it quickly enough. Yeah, so, more regular operations. <laughs> um, I mean, it's good for business, good for everybody. But that, right, like, there's that, there's, I want to say, like, another airline was like, here's 50 bucks. It, it, the, the range of the different offers is super interesting in terms of what's available, um, you know, on Twitter, when I was talking about it, someone mentioned to me that, you know, depending on the, and it very much varies by airline, but depending on the airline and the work group, you've got people who are, you know, very much against the vaccinations and it's a problem. So the fact that the union in one case agreed to it um, and supported it is, I don't say surprising, but it's very good news in my mind. Um, you know, the, the, when you see unions arguing like that, this has to be a negotiated facet. Like I get that they, you don't want the management being able to impose something on you. But when your announcement is we're here primarily for your safety, to say that we're not going to endorse vaccination is a pretty stupid safety position. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask, so Delta has not done this, right? Explicitly said it won't. So did American. Uh, and American Southwest. has as well. And Southwest, yep. Frontier um, straddled the fence. Saying they would like uh, employees they, to get it, but... Vaccination or frequent testing requirement. They didn't specify, to the best of my knowledge, how frequent it is or who's going to pay for it. And that's the last bit that I think will be interesting is right now, and we've talked about this a little bit separately, is for me to get a test at my local guy is just free. Actually, I call them. <laughs> Appointments are widely available at this juncture because so few people have it here. And I drive through. I get my results the next day. Um, I know, Stephen, you were saying it was actually hard for you to get free tests for a while at the main hospital by you. Um, but if you had to pay for it, would you continue to pay for it to, con- to not be vaccinated to work? Uh, no, <laughs> I would go get the damn vaccine. <laughs> like, cause it could be expensive. Right. And it's like, this, this is the people who are buying fake vaccination cards instead of just getting the vaccine. I, you know, I have a problem with undocumented visitors to the United States. So anyway, um, no, it's, I think that that's an interesting one, but you know, who pays for those, te- that testing is really, I think could help drive some of the adoption. As you know, like if you have to get tested once a week, even if it's only 20 bucks, that, that adds up in a hurry. Um, 
what about so i was thinking about um you know delta uh, not delta uh, southwest and american right both being texas based carriers i wonder how much the governor's um uh, kind of warning saying that employers can't mandate the vaccine has played same in into, georgia and the same in georgia how much that's played into their decisions like do they does delta really not want to go to bat uh, or, you know, does Southwest not really want to fight the state and be entangled in that? Or are they more worried about pissing off their own employees? Well, probably a mix of both. Um, but Delta's got a chief health officer who's an MD and hasn't s- said anything publicly since he got the job. And that's feels like, <laughs> what's, what's, like the, what's the point? Abdication of duty there. I don't know. Like how if, if maybe he's reporting internally on stuff, but like. They made a huge deal out of hiring a chief health officer and having a doctor on board to help make sure the company is doing things right and to have a policy that doesn't say vaccination is the solution seems like a weird position for said doctor. Interesting. Um, what is Joby Spack? Tell me about this. Uh, we were, I, wanted to, I wanted to tuck that in with the Virgin Atlantic conversation, but we got there eventually. Uh, Joby's going to be a publicly traded company as of August 11th. What is Joby? Uh, Joby is one of the many eVTOL startups. So they were super sort of secretive quiet based in the Bay Area, like Peninsula, I want to say. They're somewhere like a secret hideout where they were building their multi-prop, uh, eventually autonomous uh, electric vehicle. And with this latest deal, they've got $1.6 billion in the... Uh, 1.6 billion in the bank now to actually get to production and certification and everything. I think they also announced that they're going to get themselves certified as an airline. So while other people can buy Joby vehicles, they want to be able to operate them themselves. That's an interesting change. So, yeah, certainly a, a variable to include in the calculations. Um, but yeah, it's so I think in the eVTOL world, whether it's a smart business or not, right, whether it can replace helicopters and become something that is sufficiently safe and integrated into the airspace and affordable in a manner that actually drives real usage or not, and I think the answer to all those is probably no. Um, safety, I bet they can probably do the other ones I'm skeptical of. Uh, I think the uh, there's going to be a big shakeout in terms of who has the money to try. And right now, Joby's got the money to try. They're one of the. They're pretty far along in their development, and they've got the money. And on Wednesday, they are actually as part of their, uh, you know, ring the bell to open the New York Stock Exchange and whatnot. They're bringing their uh, model to Lower Manhattan. Hmm. They drove it in. Oh well, of course they had to drive it. So there's that. But yeah, it's like oh, we didn't we didn't fly down here. Uh- <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out if I can get them to like spin it up once and hop me over to JFK, and I can take that over uh, for the. Inaugural to London. You're like, you're like, hey, let's test this thing out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working it. It's not going to happen, but I'm trying. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think that's a that's a show, guys. Uh, for our Patreon subscribers, we're going to talk a little bit about United status challenging and uh, some misleading promos, and also some jets on a highway in the United States. So uh, yeah, stay tuned if you're a Patreon subscriber. If you're not and you'd like to be, you can go to Patreon and look us up and, and subscribe there, uh, or you can just leave us a comment on Twitter at dots lines or more dots more lines Until next time, happy travels. Bye-bye. Take care. Catch you later.